See how good that worked? That worked better than Sunday morning. Well, welcome to week three. After tonight, we'll be halfway through, so you congratulations, you've made it this far. Or I have, without getting kicked out, I guess, maybe. Um, let's open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you so much, Lord, just for the opportunity we have to come and to learn about you, to worship you, God, and just to uh, to see exactly what you've called us to do. I pray, God, that you will give us ears to hear. God, give us guidance and uh, help us to apply these things to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So tonight we are going to go into 1 Corinthians chapter 9. If you got your Bibles, you got one in front of you, you got your phone, you got your iPad, you got whatever you got. First uh, Corinthians chapter 9. We're going to kind of do it the same way uh, as last week. We're going to go through the scripture and then we're going to kind of go back and pick through it a little bit. So this is a, probably a fairly, fairly familiar verse to, to a lot of Christians. Maybe you haven't read it. Maybe you read it, didn't understand it. Maybe it, uh, it's kind of a tongue twister in some places. So um, we're going to go through 1 Corinthians chapter 9. We're going to start in verse 19. It says this, Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means I might save some. I do this for the sake of the gospel, that I might share in its blessing. So, we've got kind of a tongue twister there. I become all things to all people. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to reach the Jews. To those under the law, I became like those under the law, though I'm not under the law. It's kind of a back and forth. But it's clear to see that the point is, he's saying, I become like those who I'm trying to reach so that I can reach those people. I want to be on their level. I want to be understandable. I want to be relatable. I want to be approachable. And one thing I want to point out, just like last week, when we talked about those who are, um, when it says that Paul, some believed, some wanted to hear more, and some mocked him. The same way as here, as he's saying, uh, I become all things to all people that I may save some. Again, he's saying, not going to get them all. You got to understand going in because we don't reach everyone. Everybody doesn't make the decision we want them to does not mean we failed. There are always going to be some who are going to deny Christ. Does not mean we shouldn't try to reach them. Does not mean we should determine who will and will not so we can just write them off and say, you know what, they're never going to believe anyway, so I'm not even going to talk to them. Because he does say, I became all things to all people so that I might reach some. So again, we want to reach as many people as we can, knowing that they're not all going to make the decision that we want them to. So why in the world does he lay all of this out here? I became like this to reach these people. I became like this to reach these people. 
bottom line is we have to be flexible. There's no cookie cutter way to evangelize. There's no one card that I can print out for you to say, if you say these words, this is the most effective, this is what you got to do to anybody and everybody. Everybody is different. It's like the difference between trying to explain something to, if you're having a conversation with an adult versus having a conversation with a child. You don't approach it in the same way. You don't go up to a child that's four or five years old and say, hey, you know, what's going on? How's work today? You know, how's the wife and kids? You don't approach them the same way. When you go and you talk to a child, what's the first thing you do? You get down here. Hey, buddy, what's going on? Because I'm getting on the same level as them. I want to get to the same level. And typically, you point out something like, you know, you're talking to a little boy, and you're going, hey, you got a truck on your shirt. Do you like trucks? You know, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't go over here and say, hey, man, you got, you got a truck. Do you like trucks? That's going to sound really stupid, right? Yeah. You want a snack? You want a fruit snack? That's, that's not how we, we can't talk to everybody the same way. And you know what? Hey, it was a bad example. I shouldn't have picked, I should have picked somebody else. I should have picked somebody else. But that's where we go, you know, we, we wouldn't do that to a child or to an adult because an adult would say, you're talking down to me. Whereas a child would look at you and go, I have no idea what you're talking about. You're way up here. So the goal is we want to get on that same level. So we have to know our audience a little bit. When we are the flexible ones, when he is saying, I will become this so that I can reach you. What he's saying is, your salvation is more important than my wants and desires. To the Jews, I became like a Jew. To those under the law, I became like those under the law. Even though I'm not under the law, I became like that. In another place, he talks about uh, eating meat, sacrifice to idols. There was a, a practice where people would make a sacrifice to an idol. They would place food before them, uh, meat, and they would try to sacrifice it. Well, then if it didn't, if the idol didn't receive it, didn't eat the meat, didn't absorb the meat, didn't burn the meat, whatever, they would slap a discount price on it and throw it on the shelf. Now, some people go, hey, discounted meat, that's great. There's nothing wrong with it. There's other people that would say, that's been sacrificed to an idol. How dare you eat that? And he said... Listen, if it's going to bother you that I eat this meat, I won't eat it. In fact, I won't eat any meat at all if that's what's going to bother you. And he wasn't saying I need to become a vegetarian. He was saying if I might accidentally eat the wrong kind of meat that is going to turn your ears off to hearing what God has to say, then I'm going to make the sacrifice to say I won't eat any meat so that I don't accidentally offend you. Because if it's this day and age, we, we talk a lot about offending people and politically correct and all that stuff. And for the most part, there's a lot of things I don't care if I offend somebody. If I'm following the word of God and doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Now, I do care if I offend somebody if it's going to affect my witness to that person. So, I don't want to do something just because I can that's going to get somebody to not listen to me when I want to talk to them about the word of God. Uh, example, a few weeks ago, <clears throat> there was a few of us, we were talking in the back about um, wearing hats in church. That's what we were talking about. 
and how some people are dead set against it. That, you know, it's offensive because that's the culture they were brought up in. That's what they were, you know, this is, this is the way they were raised. And, and I get that. Now, is there a hard, fast law? Does the Bible say you can't wear a hat in church? No. But it's one of those things where if it's going to offend somebody that I love in my church, then I'm just not going to do it. And Paul goes beyond that, basically, in that to say, listen, if I might accidentally walk into the church without, I just won't wear hats anymore. It's not that big of a deal. I won't do it at all, so I don't accidentally do it and offend somebody. Now, with this, he's saying that he's free, but he will, uh, the beginning, I, though I'm free and belong to no one, I've made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. He's saying, I'd rather be a slave or a servant to everybody and have them in heaven than live free and spend eternity without them. He's realizing what's really important. And I think we, we have a little bit of, a, of an issue in America with that because it's all about what do I have for freedom? What can I do? You know, you can't tell me not to do that. This is what I want to do. But the Bible says... Your salvation is more important than what I want. And if I have to sacrifice some of what I want to get you into heaven, that's a no-brainer. It should be a no-brainer. Jesus served people. He was constantly serving people. He didn't exclude people. He didn't exclude people based on what they did or what they believed. He didn't write them off before ever approaching them or talking to them. Last week we talked about the idolatry where uh, Paul went in and saw the idols. And he didn't write those people off to say, you bunch of idol-worshiping jerks. He said, okay, I'm going to still talk to you because I want to reach you. I want to get you to that point. I'm not writing you off even though I know some of you are going to mock me some of you are so set on these idols, you're not even going to listen. But he talked to their devotion instead of their ignorance. He said, I see that you're very religious. You have all these idols. He didn't point out their faults. He pointed out their similarities. I see you're very religious. You have this idol over here to the unknown God. I know who that is. Okay, I also believe in God. So let's be on the same level. And then he shared who the true God was. It is important to be sensitive to culture and beliefs when we're talking to people. You don't have to accept their beliefs or their culture in order to respect them in your conversation. If you go into a conversation about Jesus by just destroying somebody else's belief right off the bat, they're going to put up a wall. So the goal is not to accept their belief or have to believe it myself, but I can respectfully talk to that person. I, I think it's, it's very, I think it's easier for us to see in 2021. 2020, 2021. Because now we all 
wearing masks around, right? Okay, there's those of us who don't like it. We don't want to do it. I have no desire to. I have to for work. When I get off work, it's right off. It's in my truck. It's wherever. It's in my pocket. I don't want to wear it. But if I'm around somebody who is wearing it, and they're more comfortable if I do, yeah, do I have to? No. Law says I don't have to. Iowa says I don't have to. If it's going to make somebody more comfortable in our conversation, yeah, I'll do it. Do I like it? No. I don't know somebody's background, if they have uh, medical issues, if they have whatever going on, but especially if I'm going to tell them about Jesus, I don't want to get in their face if I know that they're nervous about people without masks. I want to be respectful to that. Now, I don't have to follow all the same thoughts and, and uh, you know, fears and things like that, but I'm going to be respectful in that moment. I'm going to talk to you. If you ask me to wear a mask, I'll wear a mask. Get my hair cut, i got to wear a mask. That's fine. I'll wear a mask. Then I'll go home and wash it, and the hair will never come out of it because it's permanently in there forever. But do I have the right to do that? Yeah, I do. But there's times where we're called to give up our rights in order to serve other people for the sake of the gospel. Does that, now that does not mean, uh, he was very clear in there that I become like one uh, when somebody who's not under the law, I become like someone not under the law, but I'm still under God's law, okay? I'm still following the Bible. I'm still doing this stuff. So now, if I'm going to talk to somebody about Jesus, I'm not going to go to the extreme of doing things that are against the Bible in order to have something to relate to them on. I'm not going to go out and, you know, join in a murder spree with somebody just so we have something in common. Not going there. There are a lot of things that I'm not willing to, to do uh, against my own personal belief, my own relationship with Jesus. I'm not going to hinder that to be on the same level with somebody else. But if it is a minor thing, no matter how much I hate it, sometimes if that's what it's going to take, that's what it's going to take. We can't live outside of God's law in that, but we can live outside of our comfort zone. Our comfort zone is not a place that we've ever been called to in the Bible. There is no place where we're called to be comfortable. In fact, just the opposite, Jesus said when he, after he rose from the dead, when he went back to heaven, he said, I'm going to send you the comforter. Now, I've said it a hundred times, and I'll probably say it a million times in my life. Why do we need a comforter if we're already comfortable? It's not necessary. If we were already comfortable, why do I need a comforter? That means I need to be putting myself in a place where I'm uncomfortable so the comforter can come in and help me. And next week, we're going to talk a little more about uh, the Holy Spirit being with us as we do these things uh, to strengthen us, to guide us, all that kind of stuff, along with uh, pointing out some excuses that we use and debunking some excuses as to why we don't do uh, the things that we're supposed to do with evangelism. But that's next week. We need to be outside of our comfort zone. There is, 
in etiquette, if you read an etiquette book, if you're hosting a dinner party, okay, you've got all these different silverware. You got your forks, your spoons, and you know, three, four, five, whatever, glasses, all the different stuff you got. If you're hosting the dinner party and one of your guests uses the wrong utensil, okay, they use their salad fork for their meal or dessert or whatever, what you're supposed to do for etiquette as the host is you're supposed to use the same one they are so that they don't feel uncomfortable, so that they're not the one that looks in the wrong. With If you got a bunch of people sitting there that all know what they're doing, it's, and I'm there because I don't know what I'm doing, and I grab the wrong one. The etiquette says the host uses the wrong one as well, so as not to make that person uncomfortable. That's pretty much what we're talking about here. Instead of pointing out the flaw, let's find a way to bring that person in, make them more comfortable, and not point out the flaws at the beginning. Because we all know those Christians who say, okay, you're going to get saved, and here's a list of things you need to change in your life by Sunday so you can come to church. Here are the things you need to do. There's, a, there's an old joke about... Um, the guy that came into church, and he had just come for the first time, and he was a bit of a uh, drunk, and he just he didn't smell good, and he just was out all night, and he came in, he was dirty, and, and all that. And the pastor came up to him the first day, first Sunday, and he said, hey, I'm glad to have you here. Um, next week, you need to pray and ask God what you should wear to church here and see what you know what you should be wearing here. You know, you should ask God, and he'll tell you. So the next Sunday, the guy comes back. He's dressed exactly the same. He's filthy. He smells. And the pastor says, I thought I told you to ask God what we wear here. And he said, I did. God said he's never been here before. So <laughs> he has no idea. That's the kind of thing we want to get away from. The cleaning the fish before we catch the fish. We've got to get that person in, and it's easier to show somebody where, uh, what the Bible says and what needs to change in their life when you have relationship, when, you know, when they know that it's coming from love and not from, listen, this is the way we all do it here, and this is the way I want you to do it here. We want people to be more like Christ, not more like me. I have this thing that... <clears throat> I don't know, maybe you do too. I have a little bit of a, when I hang around people that have an accent, I find myself starting to get the accent. Um, I mean, I went to Texas, and I'm down there saying y'all, and I'm not wearing cowboy boots and stuff, and I'm not trying to like make fun of people or do, it just happens. Um, we did a missions trip. I did 10 days in Mexico, and we were in the sticks. We were in Juarez, Mexico, way out in the boonies, and I mean, way out there. And by the end of 10 days, I was sitting there telling people, I'm like, I'm speaking broken English. Like, and I'm sitting there going, I, I don't want people to be offended by it, but I can't, like, it it's not in my brain. Like, it's just happening. So I talked to one of the translators, and she's like, I don't even notice. And I'm like, you don't notice? And other people look at me like, what is wrong with you? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. It's just happening. But the point was, I was trying, I think subconsciously, I hope, to be on that same level to say, okay, um, you know, 
maybe your English is not great, so I'm not going to correct your English. I'm just going to change mine to match yours. And it may sound silly to a bunch of teenagers that I took with me from Iowa, looking at me going, what is wrong with you? But it didn't offend anybody there, which I was very thankful for, but it just it happens to me. I start doing things like other people do. I can't hang around people too long because I start talking like them. And, it's, and it, I have to be very conscious of what happens. The other thing we have to be careful is too many times we can go in too strong. And we come in with all these things and we're all fired up and we're like, hey, this is what you need to do and you know, God says this and God says that and you need to do this. And the person's red light goes on and goes, ah, Christian, run! Because we're more concerned about, oh, i got to remember all the stuff i got to say to you and i got to... No, it's building that relationship, showing that person that you care, that you love them, and that you want to get them to a better place through Jesus. Not that my way is better than your way, but Jesus is the way. And let's go there together. Build a relationship. Build some trust, even if it only is one minute's worth. Now, there's a lot of things that you can learn about somebody when you first meet them. Sometimes you only have a minute's worth of relationship to build before you can say something. So it's very important to try to bridge that gap and try to meet that person somewhere. We've got to tear down the roadblocks. We don't want anything in the way that doesn't need to be there. I got a short video here. This is one thing that we can tend to do as Christians um, as a roadblock. And we don't mean to do it. We don't always know we're doing it. But sometimes we can uh, speak to people a little bit different than they're used to. So it's just about a two, three minute video here. If you want to go ahead and hit that for me. So that obviously is a, an extreme and a funny way to look at it. But we really do use words that people that don't go to church don't understand. And sometimes it can be a real problem because either people go, I think you're weird, um, or I don't understand, or, you know, it's like when I go over, talk to my nephews up there, and they start talking about these computer games. We're going to buy a blah 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 and sell us something or other, and we're going to got a, oh, we upgraded to a Billy Bob. I don't know what they're talking about. I have no idea. It's all fantasy, whatever stuff, different currency, and I don't even know what. I have no idea. And guess what? It goes, ooh, and I turn that off, okay? I kind of stop listening because I kind of zone out, and I don't know what you're talking about, you know? I don't know. And we can tend to do that sometimes. To people. So do your best not to use Christian language. Now, we all want to sound smart, and we all want to sound like we know what we're talking about, and we've got, oh, I've just been doing this for so long, I just can't hardly help it. You know, I just, I just have all these Christian words inside of me. But be careful not to talk in a way that's going to turn people off before they hear what you're saying. I did look at a couple of videos that were um, 
non-Christians, they were, they were using terms like this to people and said, what do you think that means? Um, I didn't show that here because some of the language wasn't great on that. But there were some that freaked people out. And, and I looked at some of them and some of the things that people don't understand. Um, there was a, the videos I was watching, Fellowship. I, I think everybody understands that. No. Some of the people had no idea what that meant. Uh, quiet time. They had no idea. A lot of them thought that was just during church. You're supposed to be quiet. Hedge of protection. That's a big one. Nobody knows what a hedge of protection is. Does anybody really know what a hedge of protection is and why it's a hedge? Small group, life group, home group, guys, groups, traveling mercies. The one that people freaked out about was when they talked about being washed in the blood. Okay? Now, we use that term a lot. And they'd ask somebody, what does it mean to be washed in the blood of the lamb? And the person's eyes got huge, and they're like, they do like one of those weird like lamb's blood sacrifice things there. And I'm like, I never, ever even put that together in my mind that that's what people would think. But there are people that do sacrifice things. And yeah, okay, if I tell people to be washed in the blood, and they're like, how can you be washed in blood? That's not washed. And people don't understand. So we can say that in a way that people do understand. Um, laying hands on somebody. That was another one that freaked people out. Uh, the body of Christ. People don't understand it. Seeing the fruit. Well, I'm just not seeing any fruit there. What are you talking about? Uh, backsliding. That's one we use a lot. I'm talking to people backsliding. If you're not a Christian and you haven't grown up in the church, you don't know what backsliding is. It sounds like you're going sledding or something. You're sliding down. You're backsliding down the hill or something. It sounds fun. It's not fun. So we have to make sure that our clear communication, that's very important, clear communication. Um, a while back, in fact, I think I even shared this story uh, at one of our testimony times uh, here at church when it happened. I got behind a truck. It was a vending truck. Somebody fills the vending machines, and I could tell because the back door was open. And I could see the pop, and I could see the chips and all the stuff. And I'm driving 55 down the highway, and all these people keep passing. Like, we were going really slow. There's four or five cars in front of me, and then they start passing him. And then I get up there, and I see that the door is open, and, like, the pop is, like, working its way towards the back. And I'm sitting there going, holy crud. You know, this guy, this stuff's going to start flinging out. No wonder everybody wants to pass him, because this stuff's going to start flying at some point. So we pulled into the small town, and I tried to roll my window down and yell at him, which did not work because his window was up. And he was in a semi, or a bigger truck than I had uh, my truck at the time. So it didn't work. So I tried to honk and wave, flash my lights, or whatever, and I got his attention. And so I decided to do hand signals. So I said, <laughs> and he looked at me like I was nuts. And I'm going, clearly, your back door is open. Obvious was not obvious to him. Looked at me like I was crazy, kind of waved at me. And I'm like, whatever. So, But I didn't just stop. I had to find a way to clearly communicate with him. We came to a stop sign. I flashed my lights. I honked my horn. I kind of pulled a little bit in front of him. Rolled my window down. Finally, he rolls his window down. I said, hey, your back door's open. He goes, oh, my gosh, thank you so much. Pull over the side of the road, closes the door. Now, I could have just left it with, listen, I tried. I tried. Maybe he wants his back door open. Maybe he already knows it. And that's what we, you know, some of the excuses that we use. 
I should tell them about Jesus. They probably have already heard it. They probably already know. Maybe they already decided they don't want to do that. Well, I tried. You know, I gave it my best shot. I gave them the old. That's good enough. I didn't do that. I didn't say a prayer for him. God, bring somebody in his path that's going to show him that his door is open. Because I was that person. Why bring somebody else in when I can do it? I'm right here. I didn't go pull over and pull out my phone and look online to see if there was any kind of organization I could donate $10 to that goes around to see if anybody's back door is open and lets them know so I could clue them in. I didn't do that. But a lot of times we do the same thing with evangelism. Well, I don't want to do it, so I'll, I'll give more money to the missionaries. I'll give money to this. I'll do that instead of. There's no instead of. But in that moment, I had to step in because I was the person that was in there for that time, and I saw a need. And that's the other thing we do is sometimes we put what we want to say to people before their need. If you see somebody with a need, meet the need. That's what's going to build the relationship to open the door for them to, to hear you. Um, Monday, I was in Spencer working, and I'm walking up to a store, and I hear somebody going, ow, 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 ow. And I'm like, and I'm walking up, and there's a lady laying on the sidewalk. And a guy comes out the door and steps right over top of her, literally stepped over top of her and walked away. And I walk up and I said, ma'am, we've all fallen and come short of the glory of God. Do you know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior? No, I didn't. I said, are you okay? And she said, yeah, I tripped and fell. Can you help me up? I said, yes. And I helped her up and I said, are you okay? She was kind of standing like this. I'm like, you know, can you walk? You know, are you okay? She's like, yeah, I think I'm okay. So I got her in the store to make sure that somebody made sure she was okay. I didn't then say, listen, I picked you up, so now you have to listen about Jesus. You know, maybe there'll be another time where I cross paths with her and I can talk to her about Jesus. Maybe. I don't know. But in the moment, what she didn't need was somebody telling her how to do something that was completely unrelated to her problem. Her problem was she's laying on the ground and she needs help. This is what Jesus did. Okay, John chapter 5. I'm going to read you a story here. John chapter 5, starting in verse 2. Now there is in Jerusalem, by the sheep gate, a pool, an Aramaic called Bethsaida, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there, and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me in the pool, and the water is stirred up. And while I'm going, another steps in before me. Jesus said to him, get up, take up your bed, and walk. At once the man was healed, and he took up his bed and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath, so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, this is the Sabbath, and it's not lawful for you to do that, for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, the man who healed me, that man said to me, take up your bed and walk. They asked him, who is the man that healed you? Or who is the man that said to you, take up your bed and walk? Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn. 
as there was a crowd in place. Afterwards, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Sin no more, so that nothing worse may happen to you. The man went on his way and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. Jesus' help was never contingent on people deciding to follow him first. Many times he did it this way. He listened, he built a rapport and a relationship in a few moments, and then he later went back and talked to them about their heart. He healed the man, and he didn't jump right on him. He says he, he backed off. The guy went away. He went and talked to the, the Jews, talked to him, and grilled him about who did this and whatever. And says later that day, he ran into him again, and that's when he talked to him about his sin. He listened. He built the rapport. He helped him. And he went back later and talked to him about his heart. Now, there are times where you're able to speak to people in that moment. But you can build credibility by meeting people where they are, by meeting a need. Sometimes it's simply listening. We're so, we don't even hear what people have to say because we're sitting there thinking, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to talk to them. I'm going to have to talk to them. What am I going to say? What's a good, what's a good way to get in? Okay, what's the first line? What am I going to say about this? And what, what is this? And then you're going, oh, crud, I didn't hear a thing they said. I have no idea what their need is. But it's got to be Jesus, so that's what we're going to do. Something that um, I used to go to a restaurant a lot, same restaurant all the time. Got to know the waitresses, you know, you know how it is. You go to the same places, you get to know the people that work there, you get to know the managers and that. And this manager was there, I saw her every week, and she just looked like she wasn't having a good day. And I just said to her, I said, hey, are you okay? And she came over, she said, no, my aunt's really sick, and she's not doing well, and they don't think she's going to make it through the night. I said, oh my gosh, that's so, you know, I'm so sorry. Is there anything I can do? And she was saying, you know, hey, my, you know, I, I just don't know what to do. And so I just said, you know, can I, I don't mean to be pushy, can I pray for you? She, absolutely. She pulled up a chair right next to me. I was with a big group of people, and I just whipped the chair around, prayed with her, prayed for her aunt. Didn't push her on anything else, just prayed for her aunt. Came back the next week, and she came up to me. She goes, oh, my gosh, thank you so much. She said, my aunt's doing very well. She's made full recovery. They, they think she's going to be just fine. And she's like, thank you so much for caring, for talking to me, and not just blowing me off or leaving me a tip because I was having a bad night. And I'm like, hey, absolutely. That's what we should be doing. Now, uh, she knew I was a Christian because I was going there with the church group. She knew I was a Christian, but... That built the relationship there that when she had issues in the future, she would come and talk to me. It opened the door that I could talk to her about Jesus and, okay, you know, he's not just the one we go to when we have problems. This is, you know, how Christianity works and how Jesus wants us to be and worked into that. But it started because I was willing to interrupt my dinner, to turn around and pray with somebody that just needed somebody to listen. Now, the other big thing we need to look at is it says, I have become all things to all people. It does not say, I have made God into all things for all people. We can't make promises about God or for God that he has no obligation to keep. 
people give up when they think that their life is going to change overnight. They wake up in the morning and life is still life and it didn't get, it's not all roses and, and everything didn't just turn around for the good because they became a Christian. There are people who expect that. And sometimes it's because we kind of allude to that. Oh, you know what's going to fix that? You know, this is what you need. I had a good friend of mine that was a co-worker. He was a good friend. He was really going through a rough time. His marriage was falling apart, and he was just, he was really having a rough time. And I talked to him a little bit about, you know, just trying to be there for him, talked to him about Jesus and that. Um, and he was just gung-ho, and I, I probably should have pulled the reins back a little bit honestly, because he was just so gung-ho. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's pray right now. Let's do this stuff. He prayed the prayer. He showed up to church on Sunday, and on Monday I went to work, and he's like, listen, my wife's still leading me, and this is still happening. And I'm thinking, I didn't say that that stuff was going to change, but I guess I didn't not say that. Like, did I accidentally you know, sell him something that wasn't true, that I know I didn't say everything's going to turn around overnight, but did he think that? I don't know. Maybe I needed to listen better to where he was at, but I've known a lot of people that that, that happens. They, they're gung-ho, and they'll give it a shot, but a very short one. So in that time of Okay, building relationship, explaining to people this is how this works, is building that and letting them see how your life is, is when you have the opportunity to drop those things in. You know, here's my experience. You know what? It, this is the experience I had. I had this trouble. I had this struggle. Um, you know what? God was there. Now, it didn't get fixed overnight. And I suffered with this for a year. I su- You know, we can't just go in with, hey, yeah, God did this for me, just like that. And only tell the good stories about everything that just happened like that. I mean, those are great. But we've all had those things that took months or years. And God was faithful. And sometimes we need to focus more on that. God is faithful. He will bring you through it, not around it. So we have to be careful that we're not accidentally or alluding to a promise that God didn't make. We have to listen. When he says, I become all things to all people, I became the, uh, to the Jews, I became like a Jew. You have to listen to know who you're talking to. I don't know what our, our relationship, what our connection point is going to be, until I listen to you. Which means I have to shut up sometimes. Those opportunities are out there. Those people are in your life already. Some of them, you've got that relationship, you've just been avoiding talking to them about Jesus because it's going to get uncomfortable. But we're not called to be comfortable. We're called to be servants. We're called to be, as he puts it, slaves to everyone. We are to be the ones that are flexible, the ones that are uncomfortable. Next week, we're going to talk about, like I said, we're going to, we're going to kind of debunk 
some excuses, some things that we all think or do, and reasons why we don't talk to certain people or anybody. Um, and we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit and just Jesus being with us as we do these things, how he strengthens us, where he's at, and and how to rely on him and not on ourselves when we speak to people about Jesus. So I'm going to close in a word of prayer, and then we're going to be done. Heavenly Father, God, I just thank you for the time that we can spend together. Lord, we thank you for um, the opportunity that you give us to be a part of reaching the lost. God, that is an honor and can seem like a daunting task. But God, you said that your, your yoke is easy and your burden is light. God, help us to rely on you to know what to say. God, help us to be flexible and to listen so that we can reach those people that you have put in our path. God, help us not to overwhelm people, not to speak over people or above them. God, but to listen and to rely on you. I thank you in Jesus' name.